As 2020 comes to an end, this is the tech that made it happen. Happy Friday, friends. This is the last podcast of 2020. This is the last Friday of, or this is not Friday, it's Thursday of 2020. It feels like a Friday because tomorrow is New Year's. 2020 is going out the door and we can only hope that things are going up from here on out. As is tradition on this podcast channel, on the last podcast roughly of every year, I just kind of take a, a step back and help explain some of the tech that makes all of, you know, this crazy, wild, wacky stuff happen. And, uh, you know, if you ever want to start trying to do this, this is how I sort of one-man band it, if you will. And uh, here's the tech that makes it happen, and then we'll dive into the questions of the week, because, as always, that is my favorite part. Anyways, so here we go. So I have two primary desktops, if you will. So I have this podcast box, which is recording all this, and then I also have my video editing rig upstairs. We will start with my box that is upstairs that I built uh, 18-ish months ago something like that it's an intel 7900x base box that is a 10 core 20 thread uh cpu it is still very much um fine on performance i did update the gpu this year earlier in the year to an rtx 2070 super after the gtx 1080 on me when it, one of the fans started to die and then it was starting to overheat and so i just i went and got a 2070 super um i would love to update to an rtx 3080 that would be like the ideal optimal um for playing you know uh uh, flight sim which is what i play on that rig or even a 3090 but that's probably way outside my budget anyways so that is the gpu uh the the storage that i use primarily is a 970 m.2 from samsung 32 gigs of ram two four or two dell 27 inch 4k displays they're the u2718 q models um mx master 3 is the mouse that i use highly recommend that's not a gaming mouse that is more of like a productivity just a it's just a really good mouse. If you need just a mouse and you need it to be wireless and you need it to be USB-C, I highly recommend the Master 3. Uh, also, my keyboard is still the Cooler Master MK750, another peripheral that kind of gets missed um, because it comes from Cooler Master and it's a keyboard. It is fantastic, though. It's got the RGBs, but it doesn't have, like, really loud branding. Like, it almost sort of looks like an unbranded mechanical keyboard, but it has decent software, not the best software, but it allows you to change the lighting. Um, highly recommend that. Like if you sort of just want like a, a no-nonsense keyboard uh, that is mechanical, by the way, um, the MK750 is a good choice. And then my audio for upstairs is, uh, and I wear these all day long, are the Sony WX-1000XM3s. The XM4s did just come out, and the primary difference between the M3s and the M4s is that if you need multiple Bluetooth pairing, which for some of you, and myself honestly could probably use it sometimes, like if you need to be paired to your phone and your PC, definitely get the M4s. Or if you just need them paired to the PC, get the M3s and you'll save about 100-ish bucks uh, if you can still find the M3s. But they are fantastic. You can absolutely wear them all day and not get like you know jargon or, or like sweaty or anything else. They are fantastic uh, headphones. And so my podcast box, which is what we are recording on right now, is an 8700K. It is running a GTX 1080, 32 gigs of RAM, uh, the same storage, a 970 M.2. But this one has three Dell 4K monitors, not the 18Qs upstairs, or the, the one iteration older. Uh, I can't remember the names of them. And then there's two, two Logitech C920s, as you can see here, here's one, here's two, and a whole bunch of lighting. I don't really have a good picture of the backside of this podcast studio, primarily because it's the mechanical room in my house. This is all 
um, maybe 24 square feet. We're looking probably like four, maybe maybe more than that, four feet, maybe 40 square feet, about four feet up and then 10 feet across is all that this is. Everything else on the other side is like my furnace, uh, water heater and everything else that sometimes kick on. And so it's nothing too crazy. Uh, this is a Blue Yeti Pro. And then I use the, the Stream Deck X... L here you can see a bunch I just about every single button is set up for the various podcasts and things that we do around here and so it is fully maxed out I believe just about and so the stream deck is great great hardware the software is a little finicky um, especially after you run an update some of my buttons get switched around which is really frustrating so every time I run an update it's a little crazy and same with the audio uh, gets a little dicey over here we'll talk about more about the software I guess later and then this is a blue yeti pro running and connects all the way over to the box which is maybe seven ish feet away so nothing like crazy um, yes it absolutely requires some capital to get set up and then a nice fancy desk here and then these walls back here which are um, just kind of vanity and then the wiring for this nobody's ever commented hey you can't see this wiring I actually channeled out on my table saw a, a line that goes straight down here kicks out onto the floor and then we've got some can lighting for overhead and then I've also got uh, like studio lighting wired up here you can see it gets kind of dark this is without the studio lighting and this is with it turned on you can see uh, it makes a big difference and so having proper lighting is actually probably the hardest part about doing all this and if there's one thing in this studio I could change this TV is a pain in the butt uh, because I, what I realistically need is a light to go behind this camera that I'm looking at right now. You can see it annoys me, not so bad today, but there's shadows right here. It looks like I'm always kind of like strung out maybe. I don't know however you want to describe it. But it's because there's lights coming in at like 45s. And so they, they cast shadows across. You can kind of see what they use my fingers here. Uh, because if I put a light directly behind this camera, at least I haven't fully investigated better ways. I think if I use a, a uh, sort of like a vanity cover, I might be able to, um, what do they call it? It's like a, a, a white screen. I can't think of the name. Uh, might help. But the problem is you can see like these are some reflections here on the screen. And so if I have lights in like the optimal area, they reflect off of here and it looks really, really bad. So it's kind of a pain in the butt uh, to get lighting in here. And then I've got overhead lighting kind of crossed over and um, that's the one thing I wish I could change and so I don't know if I would just make this a proper green screen but I'd definitely try to find like a TV with a matte display would probably help uh, significantly so um, that is sort of the studio on the phone side I am still using the aged uh, iPhone 10s it's I didn't I didn't see a reason to update to typically I update every two years but I didn't see a reason to update to the iPhone 12 especially since 5g on Verizon is actually terrible because they're trying to do some like crossover wave stuff and there was a couple reports out saying hey if you want faster speeds turn off 5g because for uh, LTE is still really capable and you don't have to worry about the battery rate. so I'm passing on that one the one the camera on this phone is just not great um, that is the one thing I do miss is the 10s is a notoriously bad camera compared to even like the previous iPhone or the 11s. And so um, that is just something that I will eventually update, but it's not happening this year. Watch Apple Watch is the Apple Watch 4, um, which gets a lot of fitness use. And especially now, if you haven't checked out um, the Apple Fitness, it's really well done. I think they're going to kill a, a lot of small sort of fitness shops, if you will, or apps and all that because it is it's really well done. Um, it's not perfect, but it's it's got the potential to be extremely well done. And so that's sort of the the fitness laptop, uh, daily laptop, which is used every single day here, powering this podcast, at least the screen behind me and all the show notes that you see are, is the Surface Book 3. It has been pretty darn reliable. I've had one minor issue a couple weeks ago where it blue screened a couple times. It was, it was getting stuck in this weird state of trying to update, but couldn't get the update done. 
and I got it fixed, and it's been uh, rock solid since. Gaming console is, of course, the Xbox Series X. I'm still using the Elite Series 2, a wonderful controller. I'm hoping that they will eventually update with like an Elite Series 3 that has the proper share button on it, um, because that button is actually quite good. I make fun of it sometimes, but Microsoft did genuinely make it useful. So uh, that is one thing I do hope we see an update. I don't know if we'll see it this year, but the Elite Series 2 is a good controller. And so far, just, you know, the quick, I don't, I'm looking around like I have it right here. Um, the rubber has not fallen off. So, so far, so good. Um, on the app side, so this is sort of the magic that makes it happen across a various different machines. And these aren't all these apps aren't installed on every single box. So when I say boxes, I mean primarily this Surface Book 3, the podcast, and my desktop upstairs. Um, we have ShareX, which is a great tool for screenshotting and everything else. I actually have it mapped to a button. It's sort of like the snipping tool. Everyone always says, why don't you use the snipping tool? It's like the snipping tool, but on massive amounts of steroids. And you can customize it, and you can set up just, you can customize every single thing, and you can map it to a specific key. Very good app, completely free. Uh, video editing. I have switched to DaVinci Resolve. And and so this is a free app. This is the best part. So it's free. Um, there is a super premium license, but super premium is like 300 bucks or something like that. And I believe it's a lifetime license. Um, if you want to unlock like all the pro editing features, but I can tell you this, if you are, most of you will not need those pro editing features. I can tell you right now, um, it is pretty good. If you're just trying to get into baseline video editing, it's nothing crazy like they've done a really good job with this application. And again, it's free. So you can just go out and grab it DaVinci Resolve. Um, photo editing and, and sort of like the thumbnail things that I've been using, Affinity Photo. So I've been moving somewhat away from Adobe, as you can kind of see here from a theme, because I'm no longer using Premiere, I'm using Resolve, no longer using Photoshop, I'm using Affinity Photo. Affinity Photo is very well done, and it's you can grab it usually like 30-ish bucks and highly recommend it. It's not as extreme, like, it, I think it's fair to say it's probably like 97% of Photoshop. Um, you do lose out on some of those crazy advanced like fringe case stuff, but for the va like 97%, we'll just say a vast majority of stuff, two standard deviations, which that's 99, but whatever, um, is really good. So um, it, you, it'll cover most of your stuff. For like tinkering around on your dashboard for widgets and whatnot, Rainmeter, that has been around forever, but still a classic app. Taskbar X, if you want to center your icons, I don't use the expanded icons. I use just like the minimal icons. I don't know whatever they, they call that setting in Windows. And you want it centered sort of like a dock, like on OS X or Mac OS or whatever it's called. Um, you can use Taskbar X. Again, a free application. You can find it or you can go to the store and I think it's $1.99. Like, you know, support the developers. It's a buck or, or two. For file sharing, uh, OneDrive. OneDrive has been great Put, from putting files on here, putting on files on that podcast box and moving them upstairs. Um, use that all day long. Now, when it comes to transferring video files back and forth, I'm using actual hardwire because the video files like for this podcast will probably be about two, two and a half gigs. You could do that over OneDrive, but it's just, easier and I can actually edit almost on the fly um, just ripping it out of this box and just using um, an, an X folder uh, across the network which is an Amplify HD with a Netgear 20 or no no that's like a 40 port switch over here because a lot of my stuff in, in my house is hardwired within reason um, when I redid my basement last year I ran a ton of cat cat what is it cat 5e or maybe it's cat 6 I think it's cat 6 actually uh, throughout my house and so a lot of the stuff is hardwired here uh, in my my little humble abode um, software that allows me to do the camera switching and everything else and like switching scenes like this uh, so that was stream deck software from pushing a button on here but it's xsplit I know a lot of people use OBS and at one point I might switch to OBS uh, xsplit is technically a premium product you have to pay an annual license but it's 
like a hundred bucks or something, I think for the year. And for considering how much I use XSplit, it's well worth the cost of entry knowing that there's dedicated support and everything else. Um, OBS is a free open source iteration and also widely used across uh, the industry. It is great software. XSplit is good software. And so just pick a path. And I picked XSplit a long time ago before OBS had really kind of come into its own. And um, that's what I use. If you need to convert videos and you need a free app, one of the oldest around is Handbrake. Handbrake is good. It's free. It, it's sort of like the WinRAR, but of uh, video conversion. And it's, I don't, it's free. So there you go. That's kind of all you need to know. Uh, the mail app that I use on my PC is the Windows 10 built-in mail app. I used to use Newton a ton. Then it got bought. Um, I can't remember his company's name, but Justin, who creates Yak, uh, he and his, I believe his co-founder bought it and they're working on it. It's supposed to be a pretty big update coming next year, but I'm not currently using Newton right now because I want to wait and see how that shakes out. Uh, on my phone, I'm using just the Microsoft Outlook app because it's all just kind of fine. Uh, an app you might want to explore using on your Windows 10 PC is Power Toys. I know a lot of people know this, but it really just sort of takes the baseline functionality of Windows 10 and just enhances things uh, here and there. Um, I also use an app called Groupie from Stardoctor, my, my buddy Brad Wardell uh, up in Michigan. And so this allows you to take any app in Windows 10 and give it tabs. Remember how we were promised sets in Windows 10 and it came out for like three days and then they pulled it out? Well, sets, it, I don't know if it's ever coming. Um, but Groupie does that exact same functionality and you can buy the app for a few bucks and it works exceptionally well. You can literally add tabs to anything in Windows 10. Very well done. Uh, browser is Edge. No surprise there. Um, just Edge. It's, it's a good app. Grammarly is a good one to look into if you need, you know, finessing your grammar. It's pretty well done. I'm surprised some like Microsoft did it by them. They came out with their own editor plugin, but it's not nearly as good. It's, it's, it's not as good. Um, be careful on Grammarly though, because it does use cloud-based stuff. So technically speaking, when it reads your content, it has to take that to the cloud, their cloud, look at it for grammar and then send it back. So um, if you're in a highly secure workplace or something like that, Grammarly may not be for you. And then password management, I am still using 1Password because it is quite generally just a good app. That's, that's why I keep using it and paying for it. Uh, audio in my house, Sonos, that's not changing anytime soon. Um, the biggest purchase of the year though for me the biggest purchase of the year and i do not buy cars very often um but we bought and i say we because my wife and i we bought a tesla model y this year and that is definitely more more tech than car it's it's a fun car i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that teslas are the be-all end-all solution um they definitely have their weak their shortcomings and elon musk while a a visionary he is definitely not a saint uh in any capacity and so uh, I'll leave that, you know, for your own opinions. But the most important thing of the year has honestly just been like the people watching this. Like this channel has um, grown quite a bit. Uh, there was some big, big Xbox stuff and some Surface stuff and some was there Windows stuff earlier in the year. Uh, well, right up, what do I mean earlier, like even up to a couple weeks ago. Anyways, um, a lot, a lot of growth here. And so I'm not going to like hide the numbers. So this podcast channel in 2020 which is somewhat hilarious, and I'm not making this number up, added 20,020 subscribers, or 200, 20,200. 20, um, so it's kind of like 2020, 2020. Like, I'm not even joking. That is the actual number of subscribers. 20 plus thousand people, people subscribe to this podcast channel or this YouTube channel. Now, this podcast specifically, which is what I do on Friday, because actually... Uh, 
about the same amount of people listen to it now on audio as they do watch it on YouTube. Um, it's it, it depends on the episode or whatever, but roughly 5,000 more people each week. That's 5,000 people in addition to what had already been watching or listening are now tuning in every single Friday, which is massive. Uh, you know, I th this podcast, most people don't realize this podcast started five years ago. No, longer than that. Seven years ago as just a Friday thing, and it's grown and matured and helped. And um, it, it started as sort of a, a hobby, mostly because um, Windows Weekly, which a lot of people watching this probably watched that, uh, it started because that show, which is extremely well done, Leo and Paul and Mary Jo do a very good job, but it's also two and a half hours long. And so this podcast started initially on the on Fridays as just a collapsed version of that like what are the big highlights in the Microsoft and, and broader tech community of the week and it was trying to be targeting somewhere around 30 ish minutes along with a Q&A session which helped boost engagement and actually has been driving a lot of the growth uh, for the podcast and so uh, it's just been a big year and you know you, you try to stay humble because I don't I try not to get too big of a head about it this is what I enjoy doing um, I, I don't get me wrong I love writing but podcast Podcasting and being on camera is just sort of my personality. Uh, when I, it's funny, when I was in graduate school or maybe it was undergrad, like I had a professor say, like, "What do you want to do when you're when you're grown up?" And I said, "My favorite thing is to be in the boardroom because I had a job that would occasionally let me speak in, in a boardroom." And I said, "That is my favorite thing to be on a stage, you know, figuratively or literally." And podcasting and being on camera like this is the closest I can get to being on a stage on a very frequent basis because it's just. It's something I enjoy. I don't mind getting up and just, you know, rambling my mouth uh, or, or whatever. Um, but when I'm literally on a stage, I'm usually a little bit more prepared. So anyways, so the biggest thing is thank you guys for just hanging out. Like this is the, the community is what makes this possible. If it wasn't for the community, uh, we wouldn't be, this wouldn't exist in the same capacity that it is today. And so speaking of that wonderful community, um, you guys dropped some of the best questions of the week. And it uh, that's what keeps me on my toes. And it also gives me a lot of food for thought about things going forward and sometimes you guys call me out when I'm wrong which is absolutely okay I'm definitely not above that um, first question is must mix I think and rich history on this podcast is I cannot pronounce names for the life of me um, or and I also can't spell receipt uh, consistently either uh, must mix says no question but happy new year Brad you've done a fantastic job this year well thank you like this that's yeah Thank you. That you know, it's been a it's been a year, and I appreciate that. An old Amiga user says, "Are you more or less optimistic these days with regards to Windows 10X?" Ooh, that's a rough question. That's a rough question because part of me, part of me thinks I'm honestly think I'm I'm less. Let me explain. I'm less optimistic because they're taking a less courageous approach initially right initially windows 10x was gonna be this crazy thing on a, a surface neo a folding screen touch only and that they, they were they were aiming high they were shooting for the moon with this sort of stuff and now that panos has taken over they're scaling it back and they're targeting single screen devices and potentially education and business customers and it may not even be available to consumers for a year uh, after that initially ships and you're going to be able to at least from our understanding right now you're not gonna be able to just go to microsoft.com and download it and install it with a license like you can windows 10. And so from that aspect, I'm a little less optimistic just because I know that they've clawed back some of their initial intention. But at the same time, I'm still happy to see that they're trying because 
Microsoft could very easily be like, look, Windows 10 is Windows 10. The people who are using it are happy. We've got over a billion of them. Uh, we don't need to really reinvent the wheel. We've tried so many times and it's never worked. And so Panos is going to get his shot at it, even though he wasn't there for the whole journey. He's definitely there for the last 18 year to 18 months of it. And so, um, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm optimistic, but I wouldn't say I'm pessimistic either. I'm somewhere like right in the Sweden land, the neutral area. JS says, uh, we always hear the word innovation thrown around when new tech comes out. However, it's rarely something innovative, but rather an upgrade, faster, smaller. So what actual tech innovations have come out this year? Not upgrade, smaller, bigger, but something that is different or changed a product or service. Thanks. So here's the one that might not make a lot of, might like people may not think about game streaming. Like game streaming has really like come out. Technically, you could argue Stadia, um, I, what that came out technically last year, didn't it? Anyways, um, game streaming at least from right. We've got Google now. We've got Microsoft. We've got Amazon, and we've got more coming. I think tech innovation in the game streaming, just because of the actual backend infrastructure that is needed to make that happen, has been. Um, it, that has been a genuine innovation in my opinion. I mean, there's always been upgrades to like the cameras. There's been updates to the processors, like the, the Mac uh, going to ARM, but ARM has been around for a long time. But game streaming is still like really new. I wouldn't even say like AR, VR has been around, but it, nothing really changed there. So in my shortened condensed version here, uh, it would probably be game streaming, I think is some of the the better innovation that has come out. Uh, there's also been some great medical advances, by the way, um, if you're into that. And there's also been some fun space stuff just along the discovery side. But I think game streaming just because of the complexity and it's not something that we had uh, many years ago. Sydney 2 k says, season greetings. I'm afraid not a seasonal question. Arguably, the major difference between new-gen consoles has been PlayStation's DualSense controller. We know that Sony went to a third party that developed the sensory feedback uh, for the Nintendo Switch to include the DualSense and thus isn't Sony proprietary technology. I have three questions. Could Microsoft, in cooperation with a third party, incorporate technology into the Xbox and PC? Yes, they absolutely could. I think people forget that there's also like rumble motors um, in like the triggers, at least on the Elite Series 2. I think the old controllers have them too, but like this isn't... Yes, Sony has some unique things. There's definitely a differentiator, but Microsoft has also played in this arena a little bit. Uh, how long would it take... If, it's not the technology limitation. The problem is and then they need to go get developers and everybody else on board to actually build out this functionality. And is it worthwhile for Microsoft to do so? Uh, good question. So here's, here's the only way it would really make sense is if they see strong adoption for it on the PlayStation side. Right? If they see this stuff, they could very much build out a new controller that starts to... Take, take advantage of this and then those developers can use the same, you know, quote unquote API or features and port it over the Xbox. Very much a possibility. Um, are they going to do it though? The problem is, is that kind of goes against some of the narrative, right? Then they've got to admit that Sony had a better idea. So now they're copying Sony and that's not going to go over well in PR um, or marketing and all that. And then you've got to deal with all the people who bought the console on day one. Like all the people who spent genuinely spent $500, potentially more if they, if they bought it from a scalper. And so I don't, I don't personally think they will do it because it's going to be unlike I'm trying to draw parallels to the connect, right? The connect was something really unique and Microsoft got some interesting praise in that stuff launched, but we all know how that shaked out. Um, at the end of the day, the, nobody was building for connect because it required a, so much additional overhead. Will the controller features 
in the PlayStation 5 be something that's like great at launch, but then developers just kind of ignore it as they go down the road? We don't know. Um, PlayStation has a massive install base. They'll probably easily pass 100 million uh, consoles sold in the life cycle. And so will developers take advantage of it? I think that's the bigger question. But will Microsoft introduce a new feature like that? That that seems a little less likely in my personal opinion. Uh, Gordzan says, uh, what's your take on Xbox VR in 21? Are we there yet? And would it be a good idea for Microsoft to actually announce a plan ahead of the PSVR too? I think personally speaking, I think Microsoft should take a shot at it, right? They have Flight Sim coming. Um, what they need to do is just build a a mixed reality headset or get their third parties to do it that works natively with the Xbox and with the PC. That way you get a larger target market for this product, right? I think that's a big deal because there's a lot of people who have PCs that can work with this and there's going to be a lot of people who already have an Xbox, especially people playing Flight Sim. It'd be great if we could just plug something into that USB port and it would just work um, on both devices, PC and Xbox. Remember, while it's not technically or a, a full Windows 10 PC in the, I keep pointing that way because my Xbox Series X is over there. Um, it's not a full like Windows 10 experience in there. It's still Microsoft, like it's still Windows. It's still, it's still Microsoft under the hood. And so they could make that work on both devices. And I think that would be a very smart play. And I personally think Microsoft should at least venture down that rabbit hole a little bit. Uh, Brother Nod says, what's the story with remote play on the Series X? Why does PC remote play work with the Xbox One, but not the Series X? So that is a, a quote-unquote known issue, or Microsoft potentially turned it off. I don't have the full reasoning for it yet, but I believe some of it might have to do with the fact that the Series X runs at such a higher, or potential runs at such a higher resolution and higher frame rate that there might have been some bandwidth issues. It's supposed to be coming. It is supposed to be enabled, and I think there was just some back-end work that Microsoft had to enable uh, on the consoles. You remember, like, when it comes to shipping these things out the door, they have to put a line in the sand for the software, and that was one of the things that was just chopped. It is coming back, though. So, And why does the Xbox Series X controller not work with the iPhone currently? I, I believe that's an Apple limitation, right? It's just, it's a different driver. It's a different Bluetooth peripheral, so um, that is potentially why. And then Mr. PKI, one of the longest listeners and most frequent question askers, uh, ends 2020 with a question. He says, ending the year with a fun one. Why have we not had a guest on the show sometimes? Maybe someone from Xbox or Halo Infinite to provide an insider story to the latest news. So couple reasons. One, I'm not opposed to doing interviews, but th this podcast and this, this setup was not set up necessarily to do or created to do interviews. Now, the podcast and, and you know the websites that I run, such as throughout.com and petri.com, absolutely could enable that, and we can do interviews and publish them that way. Um, but I initially didn't do a, a guest or guest on here because that drags it out. Now, some, that's not necessarily a bad thing because they offer different perspectives, um, but at the same time, Microsoft has to uh, you know provide these people. Like, I don't get a ton of high-level public interviews. I get to talk to these guys more frequently than you probably think. Um, but they don't allow public interviews because they know that I'll ask questions that they don't really want to address. And um, Mary Jo Foley, who's a good friend, uh, falls into this ha into this hole sometimes with public interviews. Is that we've been around long enough, and Paul as well, been around long enough that we can drill in on the things that really matter. And we're not just like a general technology journalist personnel. And they get a little dicey about that. Like I, I would still, the one question nobody's asked Phil Spencer, for example, if Phil was sitting on the other side of this camera right now. Um, I want to, I would love to drill in on a specific question. And this is the one Phil Spencer. If you're listening, text me. Um, you said at one point that you were focusing on console 
not plural consoles maybe 18 months before launch you said scarlet was a it was a console or it was no longer a family and you very much downplayed the idea that you were going to be shipping two consoles like you really shot it down and then you ended up shipping two consoles tell me the story that happened there when did you make the official decision about the xbox series s was going to exist and why did you initially launch it say scarlet was a family of devices and then it went to a console and then we ended up with two that is a question nobody has asked him and nobody has and those are the questions why i don't get to talk to phil spencer on the camera um although i, I actually think that he would probably answer something like that so anyways uh that's part of the reason why and the reason why there's no guest it just it, like one, there's a lot of work getting somebody involved uh, in, in doing uh, like an interview with you or being a co-host. And not above that, I mean, I do it with Paul every morning. But at the same time, it also draws this thing out. And when I was initially launching it, like I said earlier in the podcast, trying to keep it to roughly 30-ish minutes max, that really goes against that narrative. And so sticking to what has worked, I mean, the fact that 5,000, you know, several thousand people are listening more on average per week, something like that is, um, you know, showing that I think things are headed in the right direction. Maybe someday we will venture down that path, but that's just not it for today. So genuinely from the bottom of my 2020 encrusted heart, uh, I hope that everybody had a good end of the year. And I genuinely hope that 2021 is better, that we get to have more fun together and we get to hang out more often.